It's Friday night, everybody. You know what that means. It's Friday night. Let's have some fun. Let's get together and play a ton. I'm Matt. And I'm John. And we're... Friday Night Games. We are two board game enthusiasts that want to immerse you into our love of the hobby by talking about awesome board games that we played, some topics that we find while playing them. What are we going to talk about on today's show, Matthew? Well, on today's show, we're going to talk about what makes a fantastic publisher, discuss a very specific publisher, and probably geek out about some newer games by this same publisher. Um, I... I don't think I got what you said there. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, what publisher? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I guess I'm going home. Podcast done. <laughs> no, no, don't go home. Don't go home. Okay, so we actually had an interview with a very, very special person, Mr. Stonemeyer himself, Jamie Stegmeyer. Throughout this podcast, we will entertain you with questions that I asked him. So let's dive in. What makes a good board game company? Here is our list of things that we look for when we are considering if a board game company is great or not. All right. What's number one? High quality product. Really? Yeah. I don't want my products to be high quality and they're expensive. That's okay. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> if it's high quality, it's really expensive. Well, that's not true. That's I actually not want true. It, I want it to be... Uh, you know, honestly, like when you think about the high quality of wingspan mm -hmm. you'll notice that it comes with like a, a wooden bird feeder some beautiful eggs the boards have like that touch to them the game's actually not that expensive no it's got a pretty good price point pretty, for what comes with it pretty reasonable yeah it's about 60 dollars canadian yep after tax but that's pretty reasonable for what it comes with yeah it'll be like you know maybe there's minis in the game oh yeah but but the, usually minis drive up the price that's okay. Right. So like, you know, it's going to be a little bit more expensive when you have the minis in there. I think a great, a great point is when a game comes with its own game tray or something that really sorts the game inside the box. Oh. It's a huge win. Like Skybound games. Skybound they, games. They come with minis and <laughs> they come with unnecessary minis and trays. <laughs> Necessary trays. Unnecessary minis. That depends on the game. Yeah, true. Yeah. I think cheap, cheap price point. Cheap price for good. that too, and I think like Stonemaier Games really hits that with Wingspan, right? Specifically, like it's a very high quality product and it's cheaper. Another thing we look for is the game amazing, and does it have a high production value? So we're looking at artwork in the game. Is the game actually fun? And I think one of the things that I really look for is do they believe in the product that they're selling? The publisher? Yes. Right. Like, are they promoting it? Do they actually trust in what they've created? But art, art is huge selling point. Like, imagine, imagine we took like, well, maybe this could sell. We took stick figure drawings. <laughs> And we put it in a game, and you have to match the stick figure drawings up to make the funniest comic strip. Oh, that dude. <laughs> uh, let's talk about that a little bit. You know, I saw a game on Kickstarter recently. I think it was called, like, Ish the Werewolf or something like that. And it was, like, literally, like, someone took a line piece of paper, drew stick figures, and, like, copied the game Ultimate Werewolf. Nice. And they... <laughs> funded ridiculous amount of money on kickstarter and it'd be like literally like me taking a, you know a picture or a piece of paper and being like that's the character <laughs> that you have right and it's just like john just drew like the worst stick figure i've ever seen on a piece of paper but yeah. yes <laughs> i mean it, our art is subjective but it is something that i look for while when purchasing a board game I, I i like to i like it to be aesthetically pleasing while i'm playing it right i guess it's just a matter of like i, I guess like even though swedish werewolf was <laughs> stick figure drugs they clearly believed in their product and was like hey this will sell <laughs> and it did, and it did. <laughs> And that's and that's that's fine. So right? we should make Swedish wingspan and just put like stick birds. <laughs> <laughs> the next one is attention to details. I think specifically with rule books. Okay. So I, I'm just gonna put it out there. Like the wingspan rule book is like ridiculous. Like it is just it has so many rules. I know someone at at work. I actually recommended the game to, but he was he didn't trust my review, so he actually got it recommended from someone else. <laughs> and that's when he bought the game. Doesn't trust me. Whatever. I don't yeah, know. I'll only do this for a, for a side <laughs> side hobby. But anyway, so he did that, and then like he actually went out, bought the game, and he was talking to me about it. He's like, he's like, this rule book is so complicated. I'm like, dude, just stick with it. 
hold, hang in there. And once you, I'm like, play around just by yourself and you'll figure it out so quick. You'll look at the rules and be like, why does this exist? And the real truth is it exists as a reference. Right. Right. To kind of help you when you get stuck or you have like a question. Because that always happens. You play the game, you have questions. And I'll be honest, the pendulum rule book was also similar where it was just like, like you, you play the game with me. It, was, it wasn't that hard. Mm-hmm you know, which we'll talk about later, but it wasn't that hard to understand, but it's just that they, they're trying to make sure you understand all the rules at once. So there's a lot going on in the book. Yeah. And you got to think about it too. When you're writing a rule book, you need to cover everything. I'd rather the rule book be overly, overly complicated than have nothing in it at all. So like, what was a game? We played Marvel Villainous, right? right? So that rule book to me was missing some key points especially for like some of the characters the character i played at least i was just like well i don't if i if i'm playing this character i'm gonna win this game really easily because it doesn't tell me that i can't do this i think i was trying to play i was black panther and you know i wasn't sure if i was able to move to a certain spot quickly or something like that and i was like well this is dumb because it's not clarified anywhere right that really took away from the game for me because i was so excited to play that game so yeah like i said i'd rather the rule books be overly complicated or be more drawn out and then give me all the options or, or scenarios that could happen in gameplay and then let me figure out from there. Yeah, and, and I and the, there is the question that, you know, when you were playing Villainous, you're like, hey, I don't remember this. Like, where's this rule answered? You couldn't even find it. Right. It was it's somewhere in there answered, but it's just so, you know, it didn't make any sense. Whereas like Wingspan or Pendulum, more specifically Wingspan and Pendulum have all the rules kind of answered. Right. Which is very important when you play a game. Because as me as a rules person, I always look at that and I'm like, well, where I'm like, what if this happens, right? Like, to, like we're playing Dark Knight's Metal tonight, and I was like, well, how do I get this? How do I get that? Like, those are the questions. You were very easily able to answer those from Cryptozoic's rulebook, right? Right. That's super important. And I skimmed the rulebook. <laughs> well, but yeah, but the thing is, like, we we once you know how to play a Cerberus Engine deck builder, they're all the same. They just have a couple new rules, right? Like even me, I picked it up. I picked it up right away. Surprise, surprise, because I know how to play it, right? Uh, is there anything else that makes a company like a good publisher, high quality publisher? I would say being involved in uh, the board game community. Oh, like like you just tell you direct people on how to <laughs> review games. No, like you tell people, like I give you a game, John, and I'm like, hey, hey, you better give this a good review. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> just be there, be like present, right? So, like I know Jamie every Wednesday does a Q and A on his Facebook page, and I'm off on Wednesdays, so I'm usually I you know I don't catch it all because I do have I am watching my younger youngest kid but i do catch some of it and it's pretty interesting he deep dives into the company a little bit talks about you know his disc golf and and stuff like that so right with the phone number on the disc and And then uh he did one where he oh no it must have just been a video he did um where he talked about ips he does he he actually does a lot of videos now which is pretty cool He's, he's very knowledgeable which you'll hear um from the podcast which is very important because that's you want to be knowledgeable if you're represent if you're trying to engage in the community you want to be seen at least as knowledgeable yeah, and I think he's very honest and and open and maybe sometimes vulnerable mm-hmm. about you know the Stonemaier Games Company. And then just to give some you know a little bit of shout out, you know Ross Thompson from the Op and James Hudson from Skybound Games. Like those are faces I see consistently on social media. Yeah, yeah, they they do both do a good job too. You know, like Ross does a lot of like playthroughs with a lot of different content creators and then james hudson doesn't i don't think he does that as much anymore but i have seen him previously doing content creation he does a lot he does a lot of uh q a and then he'll do playthroughs i've seen him do playthroughs of like upcoming games so he'll do like oh for uh, skybound yeah i've seen yeah, that too yeah, so yeah one time there was a game that the character looked exactly like him yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's like no like mm. <laughs> watching jamie on his facebook Q and A's. He does talk a lot about what I what I find is interesting because so many so many board game companies now are using like crowdfunding platforms mm-hmm. to produce their games. And I think just like last week, I saw that he just I think it was like the fourth or fifth anniversary where he stopped using Kickstarter as a platform, and you know he just produces the games and publishes the games himself. Yeah, very interestingly, I got to, I actually asked him the question about how his company got started and why he decided to self-publish. So we should give that clip a listen. All right, so Jamie, how did your company get started? 
And why did you start producing your own games? And why didn't you take it to a publisher? Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of start from the reverse of those questions, because two of my lifelong passions have been some form of entrepreneurship. I kind of always dreamed of running my own company, combined with a, a lifelong hobby of loving to play games and also loving to design games. And so when I when Kickstarter became a thing back in like 2008, 2009, I was just fascinated by the concept, both from the entrepreneurial perspective and also just the the, the unique take on it. it. It was just a really cool idea to me that I could connect individually with people who were passionate about the same thing that I was passionate about building. And then I started to see games show up on Kickstarter. And so when I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, wow, I could this is this is a chance for me to actually try with fairly low risk this hobby of mine to try to make it a little bit more than, than just a hobby of designing games and experiment with, with entrepreneurship. So I never even thought of going to a publisher with a game. I, I really specifically wanted to design a game to put on Kickstarter and, and and try it that way. And it started with Viticulture in 2011, which I designed, eventually brought on a partner, a friend of mine, Alan Stone, and we launched it on Kickstarter in August of 2012. Awesome. I've actually played that game, but a long time ago. And I remember it being uh-huh. uh, very, it, it, it was complicated at the time. It's always complicated the first playthrough, uh-huh. right? When you play a game like that, but we had a lot of fun yeah. playing it. A lot of, a cool. lot of hours <laughs> went into that. So, uh-huh. well, that's awesome. Yeah. Cool. That's a good answer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, I love your blog. I really love oh, your blog. You. So we tried to create a game a while ago. We actually had it and then we kind of, a bunch of us gave up on the idea, but we actually used your blog like it was a uh, manuscript <laughs> for creating a Kickstarter game. It actually oh, yeah? gave us all the things we didn't like quite think about. Can you tell us what the reasoning behind your blog was? It's actually very similar to what you just said. But when I was researching Kickstarter, my, my main way of researching it at the time, back in 2011, 2012, was to back and follow other projects and learn from what other creators were doing, which is a good thing. I still recommend anyone do that. I think I can learn. I still learn a ton from watching other Kickstarter projects, but there was no manuscript or manual. The closest thing was a document that Tasty Minstrel Games had put out. Michael at Tasty Minstrel Games, he put out a very short document about some tips that he had experienced from running a few of the original Tasty Minstrel Kickstarters, but that was it. And so once my Kickstarter was done, I was like, okay, I could use the Stillmeyer Games blog to write more about viticulture for the next six months, or I could share my experiences on Kickstarter and share the things that I've learned, the mistakes I made, observations I've had, and that that's really how it started. And, and I, I enjoyed that process. I enjoyed creating that content so that someone else wouldn't have to make those same mistakes so that they would have something to go on before going into a big Kickstarter campaign. And what started with a few blog entries has become probably over 500, 600 posts at this point. Yeah, I was going to say, you actually yeah. still write with yeah. it. I don't know. I, don't, oh, I, think, yeah. I think, I don't know how many, well, you still give tips. I do, I do read it occasionally here and there. So I know you still give tips, but you also write about a lot of other things too, which is kind of neat. Your processes or whatever, right? Your design processes. Yeah, I, a lot of it, I mean, it's, it's because I haven't used Kickstarter in about five years now. I still write about it from time to time based on my observations, mm-hmm. but a lot more of it now is about like things that I've learned running a business. Right. And what I, Hope still apply. Some of them only apply to people who have maybe uh, have multiple games out there. But I still try to remember that a lot of people are just starting out they, and they need that perspective of what do I do from the beginning so that I don't have some big problem three years down the road, that type of thing. Okay, yeah. So that was a pretty cool clip. I just want to mention that we did actually try, we did read his blog very thoroughly two years ago when we were trying to like create our game, which was super cool. Oh, yeah. My <laughs> wife still asks me, like, is that a game ever coming out? And I was like, no, <laughs> probably not. Well, yeah, no. <laughs> this, well, I, I, you know. Create a process, though. It was fun. Yeah, it was great. It, it, it sparked this, right? Yeah. So. Uh, we're much better at this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> sure we are. <laughs> Anyways. All right. So uh, on that note, let's dig into some uh, Stonemeyer games. So, John, what is your favorite Stonemeyer game. My favorite? Yeah. To be honest, I haven't played them all. But before I answer that question, let's look at what the community favorites are. Okay, so all right, yeah, let's let's pull that up. So these are from Board Game Geek. They're just the ranks on Board Game Geek. And so, you know, there's three games that are actually in the top twenty-five. It's awesome. That's actually pretty amazing, right? And so at twelve is Scythe. Uh at twenty, it's the twenty nineteen game of the year wingspan at 22 is the (laughs) running a winery game viticulture nice yeah so those are all three great games i've played all three of those i think you played two yep 
I haven't played Scythe yet. Okay, okay. Uh, I played Scythe solo. What do you think? Which one's your favorite of those two that you... Of those two that I played? Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wingspan, yeah. for sure. From playing Viticulture with you guys, like it seems like it gets a little bit of little bit of hate. Why is that? What do you What do you think? I don't know. I actually really enjoyed playing that game. So, oh, why um, it gets hate from us? Yeah. <laughs> uh, like I know, I know you you've played it a couple times with the group. You know, I actually had to reflect back on that. Yeah. And I think that was one of the more complicated games we played before we started getting into games as much. Right. And it was it was a really good game, but I think the flaws was were more to do with the group than to do with the game itself. Right. It wasn't taught to us properly. The game went on. I remember this. It went on for four hours. Right. It isn't supposed to be a four hour game. It's supposed <laughs> like a, an hour and a half or maybe two hour game i don't know but it went on for four or five hours so little things like that will put a negative twist on it for you i think we're gonna have to go back and play that game matthew yeah i think so for sure i don't i don't own it <laughs> the person who owns it is stuck in the states so that's the problem well we may have to invest a little bit <laughs> into our collection some yeah. more what about you what's your favorite games of out of those three well so I'll, i played all three so scythe seems more of like a boys game it's like risk meets robots meets alternate universe it, it's interesting it has sort of like this aspect of like i'm going to control an area and let no one get into it and then there's like a hidden bidding when you when you battle it, it is neat like it's a really cool game the concept's cool and it feels like it actually borrows a lot from viticulture in both games you like have pieces on your board that you place on the board to get bonuses mm-hmm. so they actually feels like they kind of it's like viticulture meets risk <laughs> it's, it's interesting like it's a good game but i don't know if i'd rank it above uh wingspan i actually think wingspan is the best of those i mean you just heard me a minute ago talk about viticulture i, I really like the I, re- I like all three of the games hands down they're all three really great games but right. wingspan really appeals to me and i think it's because anyone can play it anyone even the rule book even though the rule book's really large has lots of rules you know the game is very simple and i'm pretty sure i could play it with a younger audience i'm pretty sure i can explain it to a younger audience and then play it with them if they had questions i could i could feel those questions really easily and the cool thing is like that game i played with my wife we played with michaela uh, when we first started getting into a little more heavier games and stuff and i think like those you know those two people who who are not heavy games people really enjoyed this game right not only the theme but like you know the game itself right it's an engine building card drafting game essentially but yeah i think that that was like oh it is actually a really good game at its core and it's appeal and it has a lot of production value right like the pieces are beautiful the cards are beautiful the arts are beautiful the art's beautiful the game's actually really good right and it's price points cheap <laughs> so it's amazing and it won every award including podcast of the year <laughs> which we joke about every episode so why do you think it was so well received wingspan well, I I don't know, but that is one of the questions I asked Jamie. So uh, let's give that a listen. So Jamie, let us discuss the 2019 game that was the game of the year by fans and reviewers, which is Wingspan, designed by Elizabeth Hargrave and produced by your company. Why yeah. do you think this product was so well received? Well, there are a couple different levels to it, I think. And part of it is... I, I don't even completely know. I think that we produced a game that brings joy to people, but that's always our goal. Part of it, I think, is, is that it is the game itself from the mechan- mechanical gameplay perspective. It is a game of uh, that is very easy to get into, and there's a good feeling of progression throughout the game. Whenever I play Wingspan, I always end up feeling kind of just pleasant and good and satisfied at the end, whether I win or lose. And I mention that because early on in Wingspan's, like the, the first reviews for Wingspan were very, very good. This was before the, the pre-order launched, we had maybe 10 review copies and the reviews were very good. And so having very good early reviews for a mechanically solid game is, is very good. So that's part of it. I think the next level of it, though, was that the way the game was received by non-gamers, uh, particularly the birding community, which was much bigger than I thought it was <laughs> when we published the game. Really? That was not you, some you, strategy. Hold on, hold on. You think the birding community <laughs> really said it? I guess, yeah, because the facts are, there's a ton of facts in that game. So, and I'm very impressed. When I, when I read the cards, my wife was like, I played it with my wife, who's not really a gamer. And she's just like, wow, uh-huh. look at all these bird facts. And I'm like, I barely even noticed them when I played, so... <laughs> Sorry, keep going. 
<laughs> no, no, I, I feel the same way. I, I, I love the bird facts. I usually only read them if there's a little bit of downtime in the game. But usually when I read it, I'm like, oh, wow, Elizabeth connected a cool mechanism to this, what this bird actually does. But yeah, I think there are actually a surprisingly large number of birders wo- worldwide who have gravitated towards the game. And I'm, I don't even know how many of them end up actually playing the game, but I think a lot of them want to own it. They want to own this collection of 170 illustrations of birds that they love and that they follow. And same with the expansions. And I think that took it to the next level, which was it got noticed by a few major publications, including the New York Times, because like in the New York Times, there was an editor who happened to be a birder and a gamer. And so when he saw this game, he was like, OK, I've got to write about this. <laughs> apparently, that's, that's my my best guess. And so get it, it's pretty rare, I think, for a tabletop game to get that type of non-industry press and that bumped the game up and up and up. And then they got all these rewards. So it kept, it, just, it was kind of a, just a series of fortuitous things that happened along the way that ended up making it a, a game that has sold half a million copies at this point. Right. And it's an amazing game, yeah. too, for gamers and non-gamers alike, too, which is awesome. Congratulations on that. Yeah. That's amazing. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, so what did you think of that? It was great. <laughs> Uh, to be honest, I told Matt I didn't want to listen to any of the interview. I wanted to be totally surprised. So when we get the final or the the first edit of this podcast, I want to hear all the interview for the first time during that. So Yeah, so who knew that ancient aliens meeting conspiracy theories would be the reason why that game would be so successful? That's awesome. <laughs> That's so cool. Check out our last podcast for that comment. <laughs> All right, so Matt, so what is your actual favorite game from Snowmire Games? Okay, this one is a very, very, very unpopular opinion. The game actually comes in, I think, in like the 200s, 300s, maybe even 400s on BoardGameGeek's list. It's actually Tapestry. It is actually Tapestry, which you're shaking your head over there. I see like you don't completely agree with me. No, I was I was going to say, I think I'm going to agree with you. Whoa, really? Yeah. like Stop it, really? Yeah. I didn't so, think you would agree with me. Why? I don't know. I just, I just well, let's get into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is why. <laughs> let's get into it. So I'm going to explain the game very simply because it's not a simple game at all, right? So the game is a, is a civilization building game that takes place over five eras uh, or five rounds. The game is super super complex. It would and it would take me forever to explain it. So just note these things. Each era you put down a tapestry card which gives you points or a special ability during that round. And then another point is during your turn you either take an action phase or an income phase. During the action phase you can pay resources to move along one of four tracks. One track lets you roll dice uh, to advance on other tracks. One lets you conquer territory, one lets you create inventions or cards to give you extra things, and the last track lets you explore and add more tiles to the center board. During your income turn, you gain points and resources, and you lay tapestry cards and use your civ abilities. Common themes are you build things in your city to score points, you use inventions to score points, you conquer territories to score points, you explore to score points. And then each track near the end works with another track to score points. And then basically high score wins and players can end their game at different times. Okay, did you get all that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> easy, right? The game sounds really easy. Yeah. Actually, when you, we explain it like that, it is actually pretty simple. Right. So I think, you know, when we when we played it, I go I was going in with the mindset that from what I've heard on social media, right? So this game okay. is like super complicated, you know, it's a little bit unbalanced blah, 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 whatever. And then you explained it. And then I ended up getting one of the quote unquote unbalanced civilization cards. Right. Yeah. Right. So I got the futurist. So I started the game with like a little bit of an advantage along the tracks. I was like, I was up on the next, I forget what it's called, but the next like set on the tracks. And, but but how you explained it was like, just you gave a strategy and that's just what I followed. Right. What was the strategy that I gave you? You're like, just, just try to work on one of the tracks. Right. Yeah. Right. So, oh, did I say like one track and half of another or something was kind of my right? So you, you know, you take a look at your track, and most tracks have one other one that kind of helps it along the way. So it's like just finding those two tracks and playing along that, and then that helped me score what I scored because I ended up. Scoring you won. Really... Yeah, you ended up winning. Although you did get the unbalanced futurists. I gave you extra resources because you're supposed to get something right away. <laughs> I didn't give you, so I'm like, okay, just take some extra resources right now. Okay. But it wasn't. I only gave you like two or something. It wasn't really that much. Yeah. But at the end of the game, it was like, sorry, at the end of the day, I'm glad you liked it because I really like that game. Yeah. And just full disclaimer, I've played it like 10 plus times solo. 
over the over the whole year. So right. like maybe like five back in February and five very recently with the new expansion. And I love it. I love it. But so let, let's get into our gameplay first <laughs> before we get into why I love it. Okay. And our, and if you ask me, I think our our gameplay session, it was me, you, Novi, and Michaela, was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> it was utter disaster. That's what I'm going to go with. I don't know what your thoughts on that was. I had a great time. I won. Well, you won. Of course, and, you got a great time. Yeah. So I like rubbing it in everyone's face. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, what do you think went well with the teaching and playing there? Like, what, what, what do you think went well with that with that game? I just think, like, the way you explained it, like, I, we, I still had questions along the way. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you explained everything and I would, like instantly got it right away. But it was just like, once you told me something, I was like, okay, I get, I get it that part but maybe maybe with with the other group other two it wasn't the same like they didn't quite understand everything so the game there's a lot to do there's so much i mean you heard us simplify everything down (laughs) every track has another element to the game right and then you have your own sieve board with buildings and tapestries you know the, the one thing that i did wrong was i like advanced my errors too quickly I don't know if you did that wrong though because you did end up getting a ton of points so yeah but i mean like i i was running out of like resources and i was like i wasn't able to do things i wanted to do later on in the game because like i I did that quickly right i didn't maybe i didn't quite understand that part very well but like once you understand what your strategy is then the games i find easy i think maybe the other two just didn't really know what their strategy was and that's what they they were i don't you know not quite getting all the steps that you had to do, I guess. Right. Novi's a big thinker, and this game had a million choices, so he was just, like, perplexed by it. So let me... He actually... So he doesn't normally say... He doesn't actually ever write anything for us to say. <laughs> right. But he actually did this time, so I'm going to read it. He says... <laughs> and this is obviously in uh, Novi's humor. Yeah. Congratu- very dry. Very dry. Yeah, humor. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think like Seinfeld. Congratulations to Stagmire, Quagmire, Stonemire... <laughs> <laughs> on inventing a new language with tapestry, but I definitely wasn't picking that up in one playthrough. You could pinpoint the moment when my brain exploded with over- overwhelming information. <laughs> Matt was telling me the many steps to resolve my turn, and I couldn't do what he was saying. <laughs> I was thinking, you don't speak of my language, which is referencing his dad. <laughs> you don't speak of my language. <laughs> Yeah, so Novi's head was exploding. And I actually remember that. I remember telling him that. And I'm just like, let me just play your turn for you. This is what you need to do. Because he's just like, he literally sat there. And he's like, his head is going up and down, staring at the board. He's like, I don't like In my mind, I'm like, yeah, you have no idea what I just said. You probably, I probably lost you at the beginning. And now you're like trying to pick it back up. You saw like his like one eye started like going cross-eyed. You don't have to speak of my language. <laughs> Uh, no, he's okay. Italian, so yeah, we can make fun of him. I'm, I'm. So, what about Michaela? What did she? What did she have to say? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, she said, "Jamie, are you better than me?" <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he does own a board game company, and they're doing phenomenal. So, yeah, yeah he probably is better than you. <laughs> no, we're just kidding. We're just kidding. No, I, she was. It was funny because she, we taught her the game. I'm like, oh, by the way, I have an interview with Jamie in a week, and I'm like, what do you want to ask him? And she, she said that, and I'm like, wow, that's hilarious. But she was just kind of like, she didn't really like the game because she had no idea what to do. <laughs> that was her perspective. But I think they all played very like they played the game decent. N- Michaela didn't play the game <laughs> very well. <laughs> Maybe not, but. I mean, like, it wasn't, for me, it didn't, like, distract me or detract from my experience playing it. Right. Because it just, it ended up being, like, it was still a fun night. Right. Okay. You know, well, I, ch- I chalk it up to, did I have fun? Yeah. I think they, I think we, I, even if they're, like, they had those comments and they weren't angry by any means. They no, just no. thought it was hilarious. <laughs> but I, I think it was just, they had a fun time. They just could not believe how complex the game is. And that's actually my one comment of why it's bad. It could be, almost be too complex because there's just so many things. There's like a million things going on. And But see, here's one of the things. That's actually the reason why I love the game. I love it because I played like a ton of solo right. and there was all discovery. I'm like, what if I go up this track? What track does this play with well? So like whenever I play the game, I'm always trying to see what tracks play with what or trying to figure out other strategies. Like I have the strategy. 
strategies down. You want to go for resources right away. You want to try and get more of your houses placed in your capital so that you can get more resources right away, Let's, which gives you more turns. Right. So that's kind of like the whole point, right? So I, I love that discovery aspect. But I could see like, I, I actually like thought back and I'm like, yeah, this game's actually like really complex. I remember playing it wrong many, many times before I played it right. And I th- so I could, I could see the discour- you know, people being discouraged when they play this game. Yeah, I also noticed it felt like it was supposed to be a city builder, but I can never like fill out my city, <laughs> which which was, so we play with the expansion. You know that bonus card that gave you an extra building once yep. you did a very simple objective? Yep. That was added in with the expansion, and that actually made me feel satisfied with the city building part of the game. I think like I, I filled my board out pretty good but when tr- we played. Tr- trust me, you had that extra building, which was super important. When I played it without that, I felt it was really hard to fill out rows and columns. Okay. Yeah. So, so I felt like that actually gave a, gave a really good aspect to the capital city that almost was like, it almost made me feel like this expansion should be part of the regular game. Okay. That's how good it was. Nice. So it was very satisfied. Also, the expansion comes with a bunch of solo modes too, which I was really excited about because I'm like, oh, I love playing this game solo. So I'm excited for that. Gives you different playthrough scenarios. Yeah. That, they that's give you cool. like, yeah. Super cool. I I heard the I heard the uh, before we played that the expansion added a lot to the game and it did made it made it better. You know. So on my unpopular opinion, I got to ask Jamie why he thought people didn't like it, which was a really really cool answer. So let's listen to that. Jamie, I I really want to talk about a game that I actually think is better than Wingspan. It also came out in 2019. It has currently an expansion out right now, and it's designed by you. So why do you think it wasn't as well-received by your fans? I know it's very different than Wingspan. I also know you put your heart and soul into every game you create, so you don't. You just don't release games you don't put 100% effort into. Do you think maybe it was because Wingspan was more successful than Shadow? You know, I'd really like to hear what you think. Yeah, Tapestry certainly was a labor of love. I've wanted to design a civilization game for a while, and I wanted to design a civilization with where you are building a a civilization that didn't exist in real world history, where you are forming your own unique history behind it. And I wanted to go big. Tapestry is not a, a cheap game. It is a big, there are 16 civilizations. There are all these pre-painted miniatures in it. And so I kind of just wanted you to have this glorious Civ experience on the table. And I'm glad to hear that you connected with it in that way. I think objectively, as, as you mentioned, like Wingspan has sold way more copies. Wingspan is much higher rated on BoardGameGeek than Tapestry. That comparison, I don't care, but I'm, I'm so glad that Wingspan has done so well. I mean, that's good for my company. It's good for Elizabeth, Absolutely. the artist, all that. Absolutely. So I'm very happy for that. I don't, I don't know if there's necessarily a sense of overshadowing. If anything, Wingspan brought in even more people to the Stonemaier Games audience where people were paying attention to us. And so I think it actually helped. It probably helped Tapestry, especially with the pre-order. And site. And all the culture. Yeah. I do follow the, yeah, I, I know I do follow like the hot list. So I do notice like when, when Wingspan became so big, your, your, your games, which are also very high on the list, also started popping right. up again because people are like oh wingspan's amazing what's viticulture exactly right? yeah so. that it really helps build an ongoing community of people who follow our products mm-hmm. i love tapestry too so i struggle a little bit to figure out why it hasn't resonated quite as well with that many civilizations that many cards i, I wasn't entirely sure that it was 100 balanced going into it I, I we did all the play testing we did what, what what i thought i could at the time to make it as balanced as possible but out of the gate i think there once thousands of people started to play it. There were some civs that did better in general than other civilizations. And I think that may have hurt the long-term perception of the game, even though it, I treated it as a living game. I wanted people to report that data so that we could adjust those civs over time. And that I guess that wasn't as well received as I as I'd hoped it was in the game itself. Mm-hmm. Do you have any theories about why maybe it hasn't resonated as well? Well, on a, on a funny note, we did. I did actually play it with the group. So myself and John, who play a lot of games, we play a lot of more complex games. We understood it right away you know I, I i was i'm the teacher i taught it he understood it i was very happy with that because uh-huh. i never played it the other two found it very complicated mm-hmm. so having like so many tracks and having like so many decisions really like so one of the people novi he's really like mm-hmm. a deep thinker so the minute you present him with like a <laughs> hundred different decisions he's just like he's like i can't uh-huh. handle this <laughs> And then Michaela, who's more of a, she's more of like a, a casual gamer. She likes party games. Mm-hmm. She's just like, she's like, this game is very complicated. Yeah. She's like, I need to play this like 10 times before I can even sure. understand it. For me, I really liked it, I think, because I learned it solo. Yeah. It has like a discovery yeah. to it. 
So, you know, as I'm playing it, I feel like, hey, what happens if I go down this track? Yeah. Oh, this track happens to correspond to this other track. Oh, hey, I don't have to actually even follow these tracks. I could just build houses and try and build up my city. And that's another way to win, yeah. right? So I, I love the fact that there's the decisions you make. There's no wrong decision, first of all. You can you can go down any track and every track is capable of winning. Some tracks more than others as you play it. Or, or maybe that's just your right. mindset. So like, I really liked that aspect of it. And then playing it, it actually, I think it's actually a really good mm-hmm. solo game. Because when I played it, I played it. I don't think a game was ever over yeah. an hour because you kind of understand the patterns after right. a bit. So like for me, every game was, you know, an hour and it was exciting. And just trying to get that high score was yeah. pretty addicting. So I, I love it in that cool. respect. So that that's my yeah. take on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can totally hear it. It's definitely more complicated for a casual gamer, party gamer. Definitely maybe a little a lot for that. For your other friends, it's one, one thing that I, I, I am actually really happy with about the game is that on your turn, there are only really four actions you can take. You do have this, those tracks, you have those long tracks, but you can't take the 12th action on the track. You have to take the next action on the track. So at any given time, you are really just taking one of four actions or an income turn. Yeah, which which is why it's like, it's not, like, I think it's actually simpler yeah, yeah. <laughs> than, it, than it seems. Yeah. It's just, there's a lot of things you have to remember, right? right? And I can, I can see, like, definitely on someone's first playthrough, it's not going to be yeah. easy. But also, like, for, like, a long thinker, like our friend Novi, he just, like, even if he has played it, like, a million times, he's still going to be like, it's still gonna be like the longest <laughs> turn you've ever seen right and that's just his thing yeah. that's just his thing any any uh amazing strategies you could share <laughs> i won't say i'm terrible at the game i'm okay i'm okay i am probably actually in that same route like i i am okay at tapestry i mean one of, one of my favorite things to do is get income going early because if you get that income early it compounds over over the many rounds so i usually try early on to to get an income engine going if i can that's actually my strategy too i try to get all the yeah. like all the little i think it's like three tracks have a house <laughs> so i right, try to right. i try to attack those right away so i get more income for the next turns but yeah, yeah. no it's really cool I, I i actually really enjoy it and i actually like the expansion too by the way uh, the expansion okay. adds a really good element to it that i think was it adds a little bit more city building to it to the game yeah. which i think might have been missing uh, without it i'm very happy with that thanks yeah i'm glad you enjoy it yeah <laughs> So on a side note, I actually really do like that game <laughs> a lot. Like it is like, awesome. I love it. Yeah. So it, it is, it is funny to like, cause when I went to the internet, like you, you see like people like not well receive it and you're like, why? And then they're like, oh, it's unbalanced, blah, blah, blah. You know, everyone has their opinion and then you play it and you're like, no, this game's really good. It just needs like another <laughs> chance. Right. Right. We are working on a digital version, like a full AI digital version. So that'll be another way for us to look at those slight imbalances and to easily implement little fixes along the way so hopefully it'll continue to be a living game in 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 both digital and tabletop format yeah no i'm looking forward to seeing what what your company produces with it it'd be awesome yeah awesome so last week we got to play another game by snowmeyer games which was pendulum so this one i was really excited to play me too Um, and i was i almost missed last week's game night I know, uh, I know. I know. I had some family stuff going on, but I was able. To, I was able to make it. Can you tell me? Tell us about Pendulum a little bit there. Um, I don't. You? I don't want to get into like the ins and outs and details. I mean, you know, go watch a video on it <laughs> if you want to. But I'll give you the. I'll give you a brief description. So it's a real time game of resource management. So you have timers that are flipping, and you have to place your pieces where where the timers are not. And then when they flip, then you could take actions on on that board. You're you're trying to move you're trying to use your resources to move your domination track so you have like four tracks you're trying to move it has a theme but the theme seems like it wasn't needed i don't know if you did you notice that i didn't really know okay well every there's like all these characters and all like backstories but like the game like at the end of the day like None of the characters' backstories <laughs> mattered. Oh yeah, I didn't read it. Anyway, so so the whole game is is briefly like you're collecting votes and then using the votes you're collecting abilities and that you get you actually get stronger as the game goes on. Yeah, it's simply a worker placement. So when I say you're placing you're placing a worker where the timers are not, the workers can only be placed in certain areas depending on certain conditions, which I won't get into. And but the key is you're flipping timers, placing pieces, gaining resources, and at the end of the day, those resources are helping you move your domination track and the person with the highest domination tracks win cool oh it's played over four rounds every round is about nine minutes 
it's it's fun once a round is done you calculate votes determine who gets what prizes for the next round and then after four rounds the person with the highest prestige track wins which i call domination so prestige is what you're actually trying to get nice yeah so uh let's talk about our experience a bit playing that well i know when you teach us games you play games solo yes so so you learn the rules and can easily explain it to us and i did play this one solo what'd you think i actually didn't like it (laughs) as much as i did tapestry so does it have like a solo mode it does yeah it has a full solo mode where you have like a set of cards and you have two you're actually going against two uh, opponents okay i mean it's okay it just you know what It, it was good for me to play it to learn how to play with the rest of you the game actually really shines with people yeah, well, there's that whole like chaos element to oh, it, right? It's crazy. So like if you're playing, I can see where like if you're playing by yourself, like really you're just you're doing what the cards are saying. When you, we played with the four, the four of us, or even when I walked in and you were playing with your brother was 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 playing. There's uh, the energy of everyone trying to place their workers on the on the spots before the timer goes out or taking everything when the timers do run out i feel like that would be missing in the, in the solo experience right yeah it's not as it's not as hectic right and the, the hecticness is definitely there when you play with other people yeah which is also interesting so i should also mention that it comes with a card that lets you simulate the timer flips and i think that that if you're going to teach the game to someone that is the best way to teach use the card and then slowly show it so for instance when when we played you didn't you came in late right Okay, I think I came like halfway through. I don't know if you were playing already. I came in like near the beginning of when you guys were playing, I think. So you came in when I was explaining the flips. Yeah. And that w- that took half an hour to play through that round with the flips. Right. And then once we got that done, then we put it into real time. Yeah, and then while you were playing, I was not paying attention. Well, because you know what? <laughs> From like an outsider perspective, it's not an interesting game to watch. Right. People playing because there's just too much going on. Yeah, so I was just like, I don't know, playing on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> but you jumped in at one point though. Yeah. On and the then, uh, yeah, so when, when your brother left, I, I we played again and then you had to explain everything over <laughs> to me. <laughs> but I don't think, but I think you got it. Plus you had Michaela and Mike there helping too, right? So I think yeah. having three perspectives of people knowing how to play the game really helped too. Exactly. So yeah, it was fun. And I think I would stick with my point saying like the chaotic element of everyone in the room playing really added to the experience and even from the outsider perspective right and like when you were playing a real game with your brother and he kept trying to flip the the <laughs> timer when it wasn't ready to be flipped and you're like no <laughs> and he kept like anybody that's all he wanted to do was flip that timer yeah because <laughs> in his mind he's like i really want to play in this green spot I'm like dude the timer's got to run out first man <laughs> He kept flipping. He flipped it like four or five times. Oh, there was another point. I don't know if it was with you or, or it was the first game without you or with you, but at one point I go to put a piece down and Nobi flicks my piece away and he's like, timer flip, sucker. <laughs> and then later that. on, and then later on in the next game, the same thing happened, but reverse. I flicked his piece away <laughs> and he looks at me and he's like, that's rude. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who did that first? <laughs> Man, these games are going to turn into a fighting session pretty soon, I think. That was actually really funny, though. It was, it was a good moment. I think the funniest thing was when I was sitting there watching you guys play. All of a sudden, I hear, like, Michaela. She's, like, laughing. But and, crying. Like, and crying at the same time because she's just laughing so hard. And it was over, like, something, like, really stupid, too. Like, she she put her, her worker on the, what's what's the, the red track? Oh, the like power the power track or whatever and power i don't know and she thought that she was like call it fist 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 angry fist track uh, and i think she was trying to get gold but she she saw that you had to pay two gold to get the like move up on the track but she i think she looked at it the other way where like she got two gold and so she like spent she spent resources and didn't get anything because she didn't have gold to spend on on the track so she she wasted the track so she was like i wasted on everything she's like crying and laughing so i took a video of it because it was funny yeah you did take a video it's on our socials i don't know if it's still up but no no it was a story but it was really funny because she's she couldn't even explain herself right like i'm like what's wrong she's like i can't even explain to you what is wrong (laughs) and that's i could barely understand her at this point i'm like okay great uh we're moving on to the next timer (laughs) so you better be ready for this flip and nobody to be throwing your pieces across the room (laughs) 
<laughs> so really interestingly, we asked them what their favorite Stonemaier game was of Tapestry, Wingspan, and, and Pendulum. Because uh, those are the three that everyone in that room has played so far. So they said... Pendulum. Yeah. Was their favorite. Like from the perspective of playing it, yeah, Pendulum was probably, probably had the most fun. Well, if you think about it, you played it four times, essentially, because you practiced once, played once, practiced once with me, and then played again, right? And what I what I liked about these last couple of weeks where we were playing the Stonemeyer games, it's I felt like it's it's moving our group into a little bit heavier games, right? Like you said, Mike Mike likes to think a lot about his turns, and Mike will play any game that that we that we Throw put on, him. Yeah, on the table. Yeah, he's a good sport, right? Even so, though he complains, he's like, "Can we just play the same game again?" <laughs> <laughs> I think Mike is fantastic to play games with, right? I like that he thinks about his turns, like, I, and I know like he he's actually super detailed, and he's yeah. actually like he's actually taking in all the rules, right? So he'll call you out when a rule doesn't make sense, which is really interesting, right? And that's why I love playing games with mike and and michaela just watching her coming in you know she she really likes party games and lighter games and even just watching her play and like actually enjoying these games i feel like it's bringing like our group like a little bit tighter a tight-knit unit again especially now during covid not everyone's here right so we have a couple couple of our members in our group live in the united states and they can't cross right so it's nice that we're getting you know a bit more of consistency of people showing up again playing these games and it's been just really nice so we had a lot of fun playing pendulum do you think the bad event of playing tapestry really made pendulum (laughs) shine in the like you think like they play tapestry and in their mind they're like nothing can ever be this complicated so Pendulum <laughs> just became like a great game. I know. I think it was more the experience. We did have a lot of fun flipping right. those timers. But I enjoy playing Tapestry. Yeah. So do I. But yeah. I, I, like I said, I think it's a different audience for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not everyone's going to like Tapestry, which you heard from Jamie himself. So this was the newest game of Stonemire, which was, again, we highly recommend it. The hype is real. And, and you heard it here. You know, everyone liked it better than Wingspan. And Wingspan's a fantastic game. Yeah. And I think I still like Tapestry better, but... <laughs> <laughs> it was really fun and i and i do appreciate a game where everyone's involved and can acknowledge how much fun it is right so of course i was going to try to pry out of jamie <laughs> what's on the horizon for stonemeyer games so i think i think he's going to throw a couple hints in this audio clip let's do it all right, so that leads me to the very last question. Yeah. So we actually talk about Pendulum, which I've been playing this mm-hmm. week. I do I do really like the game. It is a lot of fun. I, I'm, I'm interested to see how... I've been doing a lot of solo, so I'm actually interested in seeing what, how yeah. it's going to play with a lot of people. It might be Chaos, which will be pretty fun, I think. <laughs> uh-huh. As a game designer, what mechanics are on your mind all the time? And, and you don't have to reveal anything, but is there anything on your mind that we could be really excited about in the near near future i know it's hard to give any spoilers or anything but you know if if you throw it out there i'll tell all my listeners to cover their ears just don't listen (laughs) (laughs) i actually i just just did a video for my youtube channel about my top 12 favorite mechanisms in games and a few examples of each so even just filming that video this isn't a spoiler or anything so what channel can they follow you on if they want to see that video i think on youtube i actually haven't ever searched for it it's probably under jamie stegmeyer if you search for it it's also on the Stonemaier Games website, but if you probably if you search for like my favorite mechanism, that's what all my videos are. I, I pick a game and I talk about my favorite mechanism in that game, but I also do like top ten lists on Sunday about mechanisms. Awesome. And so this video on YouTube was my top twelve favorite of all the mechanisms and my favorite game in that mechanism. And so even just filming that video made me excited about certain mechanisms that I haven't designed in. Like I cut you choose or I price you choose. I love that mechanism. And uh, another big one is cooperation. I, I haven't designed a cooperative game yet. I'm, I'm working on one. Oh. And yeah, it's a big open world cooperative game. But it's been kind of a, the last few years, I've just played a ton of cooperative games. Listeners, and, cover uh, your ears. Cover your ears, <laughs> listeners. Don't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine for for them to. Okay. Yeah, I, I just, it's, <laughs> I'm just it's, it's a mechanism that I'm excited to explore. Awesome. Do you have any favorite cooperative games that you've? played this year or played uh, over time? I actually really like Aeon's End. I played Aeon's End oh, Legacy yeah. solo, but it is it is a fantastic deck builder game where, where you feel like, you know, I grew up playing a lot of World of Warcraft, so it kind of gives you that boss battle element where you're fighting this overarching enemy and you have to play your cards right to beat it. So I really like that game yeah. a lot. Yeah, I, I fell in love with we it. We had a great time with that too. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what's what's your favorite co-op game so far? The three that I mentioned on the list, I love Anzai Legacy. Usually that my favorite cooperative games are not the style where you're playing against the game. Although Anzen navigates that really well, because there, there are some cooperative games that are really punishing. I, I gravitate away from those. Anzen is, is a nice middle ground where you you get to feel very powerful while you play. But the three that I mentioned in the video were, were very different games. Just One, I really enjoyed. Oh, Just One. Yeah, that's actually a really good Just game. One. It's a good party game. It, it really, yeah. really it, it was well received by our group. And I could tell it's well received by a lot of people. So that is an amazing game, too. Yeah, I, I love that game. I mentioned Mysterium Park, the new version of Mysterium, oh. and a Time Stories. I love Time Stories. I haven't played yeah. Time Stories. I actually have Mysterium Park sitting on my shelf. Oh really? <laughs> but oh, I good. love I love Mysterium. Mysterium is a fantastic game, and I and the thing I love about it is it's it appeals to more than just gamers. Like my wife loves yeah. it. You know, her friends like playing it, and and it and it's fun to watch too. Even if you're not playing, it's actually like really fun to watch. Oh yeah, Mysterium yeah. Park's supposed to be more streamlined. Did you, did you really like that game? We, I've already played it four times. Wow, it's so easy to get set up and play. It doesn't play solo. We played it two players actually. Megan and I played it, and it worked perfectly fine as long as the investigator goes out of their way to talk out loud about their process so the ghost can kind of get hints as to what they're thinking yeah it, it's awesome really really good that's good that's good to know because i think that might be a really popular item in the coming years <laughs> yeah. yeah that's my that's in my mind i think i think that's gonna happen i think it's gonna happen <laughs> if you're talking about yeah. it i'm talking about it it's probably gonna happen yeah <laughs> awesome well first of all thank you for being on the show and yeah. second of all thank you for giving us little tidbits into the your sure. company and kind of enlightening us on your thoughts on things so i think that's amazing My, looking forward yeah. to talking to you some other time so thank you very much thank you jamie so much for talking with matt and answering some questions and you know just just being a fantastic part of the board game community i know you know i follow you on facebook and you know watch, watch most of your q a's and i think i think it's great thank you so much and i'm sure matt matt got a lot of value out of the conversation i'm excited to listen to it for the first time when i do the second uh, pass over this this podcast yeah thank you jamie for announcing all those games in that last statement <laughs> that john missed out on so uh... he'll uh You'll have to re-listen through that. Yes, yes, yes. I feel like we don't do this enough, but, you know, I want to thank all the listeners for listening in to our podcasts. You know, we really appreciate the support and we enjoy providing content to you. So thank you so much for listening in. You know, if, if there's a game that you want us to check out or if you've created a game and you want us to preview it. If you want to be on our podcast, just send us a message. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot us an email at uh, info at fridaynight.games and don't forget to follow us on our social media so instagram at friday night games underscore official twitter at friday night gms you can find us on facebook check out our website friday night.games and matt and i have recently started streaming uh, live on twitch uh, Monday evenings, 8.30 p.m. Eastern t Standard Time until 10 p.m. Standard Time, where we just play a game and uh, have fun. Like, I just kicked his butt playing Dark Knight's Metal th uh, this evening. Uh, that was an asterisk, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, promo card in there. Yeah. Conveniently drawn first, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, remember, it's Friday night, and let's have some fun, and thank you again. <laughs>